Thanks, um, thanks everyone for coming down. Um, there's a lot of people in the background, so thank you. Um, yeah, today uh, I'm announcing that uh, my footy career is over. Um, uh, certainly it's been a bit sad, but um, I look back with, with really fond memories and, and really thankful to everyone I've come across at this footy club. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, the most fulfilling journey of my life and um, I went through a few thank yous before to the players and the staff. Um, yeah, I feel, feel extremely lucky to be involved with this club and um, I'm not going to thank everyone here and now, but I'll do it individually at some point. But um, you know who you are, so um, thank you very much for, for everything. is a Swans Cast Extra, the number one Sydney Swans weekend preview podcast. In this week's episode, we preview the Swans round 22 match against Melbourne on Friday night at the MCG. Melbourne swung the selection axe while Sydney have bizarrely gone back to the Kieran Jack well. You know, when he's formed, this season just hasn't even warranted selection. We've got the team changes, the latest stats, we preview the match ahead and give you our matchups, key points, predictions and the weekend forecast ahead. This is your host, Justin, and with me tonight is regular co-host, Joshua Marr. So, Josh, it's a bit of a mixed feelings week. We've had Nick Smith announce his retirement only just yesterday, and then we've had the uh, most bizarre team selections today. Strange team selection, uh, but I don't want to talk about that now because no. I'll get upset. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Smooch, uh, not unexpected, still sad. Yeah, but he has been a great player for the club for more than a decade. He holds the uh, ignominious record in the AFL of the most games played without pulling a Brownlow vote. And he took over, I think it was Corey Enright from Geelong last year. Mm. So it's it's a pretty amazing feat. But they were both defenders. And Joel Corey was a pretty damn good defender himself. Uh, or Corey Enright. I can't remember which one it is. There was a Corey in it. Um they were both great defenders, but Nick Smith has definitely been the premier small defender of the last decade to the point where he played on some of the best small forwards in the league and just beat them comprehensively. Yep, beat them comprehensively and often did it week in, week out. Um, he is the definition of the underrated AFL football oh, player. Yeah. He, he, is. he in In the dictionary of AFL things, next to underrated, will be Nick Smith's picture. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's absurd how a bloke who has had the kind of games he has had on the best small forwards in the business repeatedly for a decade, can't poll a single brown low vote. Makes no sense at all. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, his longevity in the in the sport itself is absolutely stunning. He averaged more than 20 games a season for the majority of his career, which is absolutely stunning. And he was at one point... Um, going for the record of most consecutive games played. So from 2011 to 2018, he played 20-plus games every season. Yep. Yep. So not a, not a big disposal getter. 
but what he was able to do to his opponent was, you know, at times nothing short of miraculous for a guy who wasn't particularly big and wasn't particularly quick. No, that's right. And, and not being particularly quick, but still being able to, you know, manufacture some fantastic efforts on people like Eddie Betts, uh, Cyril Rioli, uh, Stevie J, yeah. those kind of guys. And keep them relatively quiet or shut them out of the game altogether. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I, like, I just, I'm going to stick with the word underrated. You, you just yeah. cannot, you cannot, <laughs> I, I know, I know it's a cliche, but it's, it's Nick Smith. It's um, a, underrated, it's... undervalued, um, underappreciated. Yes. And we need another one of him. <laughs> <laughs> just clone him up. Same with Heath Grundy. I mean, you go back, that 2012 defense was completely unheralded, underrated, severely underrated. Absolutely. Heath Grundy was arguably the best one-on-one player back then, and he certainly got more recognition as the years went on to the point where last year and the year before, 27 and 2018, he was even though he was older, losing his pace and whatnot, he was still regarded as the premier one-on-one defender in the league. He, he rarely got beaten. Really got beaten, uh, really got beaten, and his opponents uh, often would talk about him um, in the media as when you know posed that question: "Who is the hardest player you you come up against?" A lot of them would say Heath Grundy, yeah, or at least bring him into the conversation. Um, I actually think Ted Richards wouldn't get rate a mention if it wasn't for the fact he played for Essendon for a while. He'd be another <laughs> one of these Ted Richard, who's that? Um, but Nick yep. Smith is most definitely uh, Nick Smith, who's that? Um, and again, just point out just how underrated this man was. Yeah, uh, he, he was. And I think, yep. And I think, uh, I think if you see uh, or appreciate how our back six has gone for the last two years with him being injured and then largely unavailable, I think it really shows uh, how much we valued a player of his calibre yep. and size and style over the last 10 years and just how much we miss it this year and how much we're going to miss it for a while to come yet. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about it, his injury right at the end of last year is almost a year, well, it was actually just over a year ago. It was almost the same fixture. It was round 21 against the Demons at the MCG where he tore his hamstring tendon off the bone. Yep. He's had three surgeries, numerous setbacks. Uh, his most recent one was uh, a little bit over a month ago, actually. And when that news came out, it was like, unfortunately he's going to be forced into retirement because the Swans, they did say that they weren't going to offer him a new contract. Yeah. You know, that's right. Um, having said that, my understanding is that he's going to stay on with the club is some kind of a teaching or uh, coaching capacity. Is that correct? Yeah. So they've, the club have said they want to retain him in some capacity. And I think that's absolutely great. I think they need to because he is, in a way, he's kind of a once-in-a-generation one type player. Mm. I some of his best performances that I can remember, not only games that we won, but games that we lost. And there were some big games that we lost where he was one of the standout performers in the team. Yep. One that instantly jumps to mind for me is the 2017 semi-final against Geelong. Yep. Rampy was copping an absolute bath from Dangerfield. And I said at the start of the game, it's the worst matchup of Dangerfield Dangerfield's going to kill him. Uh, at quarter time, they put Smith on Dangerfield, and I think Dangerfield got like three touches after quarter time. Yep. A guy who's bigger, stronger, faster, didn't get near it. No, that's right. That's right. 
Um, and and you're right. And I was at that game, and I was within about 15 metres of where they paid all those free kicks against Rampy in the back line. And he was not having a good start to that game. Um, it's just a pity that Smith didn't, you know, get a lot of help from the rest of the team. And ironically, Kieran Jack was one of the few people who performed in the midfield that night. <laughs> yeah. um, my goodness, how far he's fallen the last couple of years. Memories, but... memories. Memories. Uh, memories. But there's another one. Uh, the 20... I think it was 2017 game uh, against Adelaide in Adelaide uh, where he played on Eddie Betts and Charlie Cameron. Yep. And he did a bloody good job then. And we're looking at Charlie Cameron as arguably the best small forward in the game at the moment. And there are commentators and pundits who are saying he's even better than Rioli. Now, granted, people saying that about Jetta, though, uh, Lee, Lewis Jetta, not Leroy Jetta, but Lewis Jetta. And they were saying that about um, another player not that long ago. But Cyril Rioli's, he set the bar, he set an incredibly high standard. And Nick Smith is basically, I think, the only defender that had his number. Mm, that's right. Repeatedly. He played all his high school football on Cyril Rioli as well. Exactly. Um, the, the game in Adelaide you're talking about in 2017, was that the one we lost by 10 points? Uh, no, it was, the, uh, it was the one that we won by nine points. Right. Okay. It was that comeback. Now, it could be 20... No, it's definitely 2017. I think 2016 we lost by 10, 10 points. I might have my years mixed up. I'm pretty sure it was 2017 because I went over there with, with uh, the not-quite-fiancé at the point, Mrs. Bloggs, and uh, we had a weekend over there. I might actually have to work out to confirm the dates. But I still remember him that night as being one of our more important players. Uh, and we did put the social question out there, but we'll get to the social question in a minute, Josh, but... I mean, the guy was such an underrated player, and it took until 2014, after, I reckon, four years of just solid dominance and defense, for him to finally be recognized as what everyone was saying. He was the premier small defender. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. And it's only... It's funny that, that in a way, that his reputation was probably tied up a, a lot, and I mean a lot, with Cyril Rioli, because he was not really recognized until that, until, you know, the sort of the Sydney Hawthorne uh, rivalry was really yeah. given some recognition after 2012. So that 2013, 14, 15, 16, those years in there, probably Smooch finally got the recognition he deserved from the wider competition. And I think if it wasn't for Hawthorne being the powerhouse they were for those few, those years, um, and Cyril Riola being what he was, Smooch would probably still be a, um, you know, even less respected than what he is now. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because you look at Heath Grunny and Nick Smith, they have both been excluded from the All-Australian calculation and consideration for pretty much their entire career, bar a couple of instances, right? And for Nick Smith, he was lucky enough to get it in 2014. Yep. The AFL has tended to go on for the more flashy, flamboyant, flair-based players, those that are more attacking in pretty much every single position on the field, right? You're a fullback. If you're an attacking fullback, then you're getting in. And I mean, that's not to sort of say that, uh, you know, the, the fellow from Richmond whose name unbelievably escapes me for the time being, um, <laughs> the prancy, fancy, rancy, um, good old good old ranch sauce. Um, I mean, for him, yeah, he's a great defender. Let, let's not kid ourselves. He is a great defender, but his strengths are intercepting and running with the ball. You put him one-on-one with most of the forwards and he's getting beaten most days of the week. Yep. 
whereas Heath Grundy and Nick Smith, they were lockdown. They were more dour lockdown defenders who would stop their forwards from having any impact whatsoever. And, and there was one guy on Facebook who commented his favourite Nick Smith moment was watching the opposition small forward with a forlorn look on the bench wondering where the next kick is going to come from. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great comment, and you, you, you probably can't beat that, can you? No, no. So, yeah, I, I love the guy. He's, a, he's an interesting character because for some reason he was a little bit divisive. I, I never understood that. But I just love the way in, he went about it. In in what way could he be divisive? Is in in the way he played his football. I, I think some people kind of liked more flashy style players, and he was he was never he is never a risk taker. He would always play within himself, and it was actually quite rare to see him butcher the ball or or like really turn it over. Yeah. Yep. So yep. he'd only get like 12, 14 disposals a game. And if he turned one or two over, you know, it was glaring. It was obvious that he turned one or two over. Yeah. Yeah. But he was never an accumulator though. So he, no. his, his role or his, uh, his uh, stardom was in, was playing that negating role on their forwards, not to rack them up. He certainly wasn't a Lloyd for us. He's not going to rack up no. cheap disposals and <laughs> mean his game from kicking it in the square, is he? But, no, uh, exactly. His value for me, and same with Grundy. I mean, you can both put them in the in the same category for this. Their value was completely measured by how little impact their opposition forwards had. Absolutely. And I still remember games where some of the forwards were having such a hard time, they actually rotated them through Nick Smith, and he still beat them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and you have to remember too that that uh, a lot of a lot of backmen don't get rotated off the ground at all for a rest. You know, they play 95 percent of the game time. You know, like yeah. Teddy Richards was telling us uh, when we talked to him a few months ago, backmen don't get taken off the field. It's disastrous for the synergy in the back line to take players off to rotate take them through the bench for a rest. So they tend to play far more minutes than your midfielders or your forwards. Yeah, um, and so not only was he. You know, not only was he a stellar defender, but he was also a real workhorse. You know, he he could go for the whole game just about. You know, he'd sit there on 95, 96, 98% game time sometimes. And he still had running. He still had run uh, at the end of the game. Yeah. So, once again, I, I don't think you can underestimate just how good he was and uh, just how much we miss a player like him now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I really, I really miss watching him run out there, and he was one of the few players. And Rampy, I guess, is coming along in a big fashion on this, and Mills is coming along on this as well. But he was one of the few players who could play smaller and then well out of his, you know, um, weight division. He took on some bigger players, and he still beat the bigger players. Yep. So. He didn't do it all the time, but when he had to, when he had to do a job, he did a job. And there was times when he was manned up against key forwards and he was still able to bring the ball to ground. And, and that's all you can ask. Yep. He couldn't ask much more than what he gave us. No, and he was a great he was a great player and a great servant and uh, definitely a club favourite. A bit of a cult favourite for our fans as well. So, um, yeah, so all I've got to say to that is, you know, big thank you to Nick Smith for his time with the club. He's going to be sadly and sorely missed. Yep. Farewell to Smooch. 
farewell. And uh, in case you're wondering why his nickname is Smooch, it's because uh, he was trying to get onto the Clio Bachelor of the Year some <laughs> some time ago, like around like 2008, 2009 or something. And uh, he used to have um, pictures of himself in his locker and he used to hang it. And as Ted Richards said, he was handing out the uh, how to vote cards for the Clio Bachelor of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we got that nickname um, but uh, let's move on to team selections uh, before we do that I just want to uh, bring up the fact that uh, Josh is remote today so unfortunately he's not usually in his uh, brand new spiffy studio he's um, currently he's our Afghan correspondent <laughs> it's pretty wild up here in uh, up in uh, Queensland up near the Bris Vegas uh, Brisganistan. <laughs> um, I, um, I I got sick of the weather a couple of weeks ago. I got in the car and I started driving north uh, to find the sun. And I'm pleased to say I found the sun north of Tenerfield. Oh, brilliant! Because it has been a bit uh, a bit nippy down in Melbourne. <laughs> it was it was uh, raining and snowing slush when I left the other day. But um, no, it's good up here. Just up here visiting some family and. Um, um, I'll watch the game tomorrow, and then on Saturday I'll make my first visit to the Gabatoir and yep. hopefully watch the uh, hashtag Lions. Hashtag beat Lions. Crap well, out of the Cats. Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of uh, tomorrow night's game, though, I don't know how much of a review we're going to do about this because uh, it's a. Let's face let's call it, it. What it is? Six, ga- it's, six it's, games in a row it, that we've lost. Let's call it what it is. It's too. It's too badly. It's two badly underperforming teams yep. trying to not be quite as bad as the other one. <laughs> yep. uh, team changes straight off the bat. Kieran Jack in for Zach Jones out. I didn't even know Zach Jones had a hamstring injury, did you? No. So uh, maybe he injured it after the injury report, which seems to be, you know, whatever these days. But Kieran Jack, come on. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure that more than a few eyebrows have been raised at the team selection. I don't understand it. I just, I don't get it. Um, I would have thought that, you know, I'm glad, actually, before we get into the Jack thing, I'm glad to see that we're going to give James Bell another week. Yeah. Um, but Jack, I don't get it. Oh, I just don't get it. I, I would have nothing to lose and almost nothing to gain, actually, at this stage of the year for us. But uh, I would have preferred, you know, if they're going to change Jones out, give Stoddart another go. Yeah. You know, or bring bring Noel in. Oh, just something different, you know, it, Jack, it's conventional, it's boring, I don't get it. And he's been absolutely ordinary all year. And look, I love Jack. He he was a great servant for us when we needed him. But he's gone two seasons too long. Mm. And last year, last year the writing was on the wall and it was clear that he was slowing down. And this year, I mean, look, I, he's averaging 9.8 disposals per game. And I was so baffled by the selection on this one, Josh. I wrote up on the blog, on the blog website, if you go to swansblog.com and you look at the latest post, which are the teams, I actually had to write these two lines because I just couldn't help myself from the confusion and frustration of having Kieran Jack named for this, for this game, Josh. And I wrote, the 32-year-old has been encouraged by media commentators to retire at season's end and will need to show significant improvement in the final two rounds to assuage those calls. Averaging a paltry 9.8 disposals from six games this season, well down on his career average of 20, Jack faces an uphill battle to prove that he's still worthy of a spot in the developing Sydney midfield. Now, you tell me, Josh, 
is he worthy of a spot? Uh, look, in, in the short answer, no. Um, I've already spoken extensively about Kieran Jack over the course of this season, and and I just don't. I love the guy. Like I, I really, I've loved what he's given us, but I just, I think, I think we're done. Yeah, I, I really think we're done. And I was surprised that that given Macca's announcement and the Smith announcement that we haven't had a Jack announcement. So, yeah, I honestly hope he's not going to try and go around another year. And if he does, look, he's out of contract. And this is one of those instances where, as a club, you've got a Ryan O'Keefe him. Yeah. Let's be honest. He's, they've got a Ryan O'Keefe him. And they needed to do it at the start of the season. I remember watching the first reserves match before he got selected for his first senior game this year. He played two reserves matches. His first one, he was beyond ordinary. And his second one was barely even any better. And then he came in. He had, I think, 11 or 12 disposals, went at barely over 30%, and was dropped straight away. Yeah. Yep. So I, I don't get it. I, honestly, no. I don't get it because that has been the standard the entire season. He's turned it over more than he's actually got. So it's incredible just how far off the cliff he's fallen. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of hurtful to almost see an, an old club champion like this, Josh, to see him falling so far. It is, um, and it's been a pretty dramatic fall from grace for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much just because yep. we've beaten this to death. We this have. Year, but um, it's just, it is a very odd team selection for my mind. All right, on that note, let's go back to the uh, the Nick Smith love-in. <laughs> So, we put out a uh, social question, uh, and the question was, what was your favourite Nick Smith moment? We've got ours, but we want to know yours. Josh, kick it off, mate. Yep, sure. Barry from Facebook. He said, all 211 games, one of our great players. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, We had a couple of marks from Facebook, but the first one said, that's a hard question. When it isn't there a great Nick Smith moment, mine was seeing Nick with Premiership medal holding the Premiership Cup. Yep. Hard to beat that one. Yep. Uh, Andrew from Facebook. At that time, he became superstar of the AFL. Oh, wait. Didn't happen. Outrageously in brackets. Yep. Yep, yep. We've we've talked about that almost ad nauseum that he should have been more recognised. At least he did get recognised. But I'm not sure how to pronounce this one. Uh, Quinn, I think. Quinn from Facebook. His tussles with Cyril Rioli was great to watch. Always seemed to have his measure. Absolutely, he did. Uh, Mark Squared, the second Mark from Facebook. <laughs> so many great memories, a couple of puns there. But his goal in the 2016 Grand Final, where no one else seemed to be able to convert, was my favourite. Yeah, and one from our good old Swans Blog crew or Swans Cast crew, Heather from Facebook. She <laughs> has said, and this is she said this repeatedly to us, my young daughter announced that she wanted to marry him aged 13. She never achieved that, but did meet him at a supporter event and thought it was the best thing ever. She's now 21 and is as sad as me that Nick is retiring. <laughs> so it's not quite a football thing, but you know, it's, you get to meet your idols. It's still, it's still a Nick Smith moment. So I it thought that was It fits in great. there with a the loving thing, though. It does. It does. Look, thank you, everyone, for responding. I uh, appreciate that. And uh, now it's time to go to the preview of the match. So, Josh, a bit more than a week left to go this season. The Swans are not doing too well at the moment, are they? No. It, uh, <laughs> while being... <laughs> I'm going to try and be diplomatic here. While being largely competitive... No, I don't have to be diplomatic. No, they've been... Let's, while let's being largely it. competitive... For a quarter uh, of a game. 
for a quarter a game and then sort of hanging in there. We've had too many absolute garbage quarters. Um, we, um, you know, realistically though, uh, we, we're on six wins at the moment. We're on six losses in a row at the moment as well. Uh, we could actually be on 10 or 11 wins if a couple of yep. other games had gone, you know, they were, they were close enough to go either way. So I think we've got five games that were lost by 10 points or less. Yeah, but um, we... we we've also... only been blown out off the park twice, though, um, no. which is a good end of bad thing. But um, just on that, we also have those two games that we beat North Melbourne and Essendon by five points. And we could very easily have lost both those. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, that that is true. But both of those teams were arguably better teams than us before those games. So they they were games that we probably didn't deserve to win, but we did. So they they were games where you just sort of find a way. Yeah. To phrase horse to channel horse. Um, <laughs> but but just what I'm saying is that it's it's not like we're six wins and we've been blown off the park every single week though. So, no. Every single other week, though. So we've been thereabouts for for more games than than I think that the win loss, just pure win loss, would would give us credit for. We're not going to end up 18th on the ladder. No, no. But we are going to talk about where we want to end up on the ladder a little bit later in the show. Mm. But I mean, the head to head stats between the two teams for the season it tells just like it did last week. It tells a very specific tale, and the big one for me. Josh, is the fact that the Swans have gone a long way away from their old bread and butter, which got them to a grand final three years ago and mm. got them to three grand finals in a space of five, six seasons. Yep. And that is the contested possession game. Mm-hmm. We're ranked 16th for contested possessions and we're ranked 17th, 17th for clearances. Yep. Three years ago, that would have been unheard of. Yeah, but who was in our midfield three years ago? That's almost the same except for Tom Mitchell and Dan Hanabry. Well, I mean, there's your answer, isn't yeah. it? Tom Mitchell and Dan Hanabry. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more pragmatic than most of the Tom Mitchell trade, I think, yeah. given what they had at the time. Um, as much as I didn't like it, it still made sense. But no one would have seen the fall from grace that Hanabry would take over the next couple of years. And, yeah, he's had one good game at St Kilda. He's only played three games all year. Um, there's every chance he comes out and his tissue paper hamstring lets go again next year. So... Um, yeah. Look, unfortunately, it's equalisation. <laughs> we're, we're finally, finally falling towards the bottom of the pile. Um, yep. And that's perfectly fine given the history we've got. The question is now whether we're still down in this part of the pile uh, at the end of 2021. And it's kind of hard to say that it isn't our own doing either, because we went out of our way to poach Franklin. Franklin did declare that he wanted to come to Sydney and there was uh, a story, a long post story that came out in the middle of the year, or actually middle, first half of the season of this year rather, that, that described the the trade and how it actually happened and what the steps were and how Franklin was seeing different clubs at different locations. But basically, Sydney had an inkling uh, roughly around the grand final that he was interested and then they actually were in full negotiations back in uh, 2012 over, like, Christmas period. Yep. And this is long before um, GWS even came to the party and, and Hawthorne as well. So he had already basically made his mind up that he was going to go to Sydney well before yep. any other club came along. Yep. Now, in saying that, I, I say we've kind of dug our own hole because we've given big money contracts to players. Uh, some of them deserved it, some of them less so. But when you're giving a player about $1.5 million a season... 
it really restricts you on what you can do for your list management going forward. Mm. So I, I know you're pragmatic on the Mitchell thing. I see the pros and cons. Yes, we've got Haywood and we've got Florin out of it. And we might be able to get one of those two players, maybe not both, but definitely one of those two players we should be able to get without Franklin. Or sorry, without Mitchell, rather. But at the same time, I mean, Mitchell was, he was only going to get better. Yeah, yeah, look, it, look, I don't, I don't want to get into this too much because yeah. it's, it's old news now and it is. Like it's going to be four years ago next year. Um, I think, I think, um, I think, and I know the article you're talking about that was in the Herald Scum newspaper, but there's some other stuff out there with Andrew Ireland when they were talking about, um, it might have been his open mic episode actually, where they're talking about the Franklin trade and and they basically said in that that there was a that when we got tippered in Franklin went to Liam Pickering and said, What are they doing? sort of thing. Yeah. And Sydney's position was that they thought Franklin had cooled off. They didn't know he was still interested at that point in time. So maybe if the communication from Lance and Pickering and Sydney Swans was better that we wouldn't have taken Tippett. And then the Franklin thing makes perfect sense. So look at yeah, the end, it's, at, it's at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, at the end of the day, one of those players is going to get traded either Hanbury or yeah, Hanbury or um or Mitchell, and we kept Hannah's, which you know, given his form in twenty sixteen, was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. It just you know, if it comes off, you look like a rock star. If you don't, you look like an idiot. And well. Well, we look like idiots. We look like idiots, and yeah. <laughs> and we didn't help him. We didn't help him at all. We actually played him when he wasn't even fit. We played him when he, when we shouldn't have played him. We we literally rode him into the ground. We almost killed his career. But look, this isn't this isn't the uh, 2016 blog. Uh, this isn't the uh, 2018 blog. This is the 2019 preview for round 22 against Melbourne. Uh, but we should get back to the head-to-head stuff. So, as I was saying, the reason why I brought up the contested possessions was because Melbourne are ranked 5th for contested possessions. We're ranked 16th. Melbourne are also ranked 8th for clearances. We're ranked 17th. And Melbourne are ranked 5th for inside 50s, and we're ranked 16th again. Mm-hmm. So, look, we have really good efficiency inside forward 50, and we rank quite well on contested marks compared to Melbourne. But the thing is... Like Melbourne beat us in the in the key areas, despite the fact that they're sitting a couple of rungs below us on the ladder, and we're, we're in the bottom four. So, yeah, they've beaten a lot of teams in key areas, and they've had a shocking year, though. They can't kick goals. That's their biggest problem. They just well, simply, what's their percentage? Oh, it's it's lower. It's sixty seventy percent. But they're ranked seventeenth for goals kicked. Yeah, only we're sitting fifteenth on the ladder with it with it. We must have one of the highest percentages of ever team that's ever sat fifteenth on the ladder. Yeah. So at least we have, in comparison to people below us, we do still have some scoring capacity. Um, but you're right, mid, uh, Melbourne's um, midfield forward connection and the ability of their forwards to be able to actually put us through the sticks is horrendous. Yeah, it is. Carlton levels are horrendous. And it doesn't get any. It's not going to get any better from uh, this week either. You just you just got to look over their forward line. Jake Melksham is named at full forward. Hmm. Bailey Fritches named at centre half forward. Jordan yep. Lewis and Christian Pedraka, James Harms and Wagner, Corey Wagner, they're also in their forward line. Yep. I mean, these guys aren't, <laughs> they're not on anyone's wish list for a forward line. No. It, it kind of makes us, you know, makes our cobbled together back line look even better than it really is. But they've got pace. 
and they can certainly hurt us. So, you know, we, we can't take them easy. No, no, that's right. You still got to respect, and they've got a max going in the middle as well. So yeah. you wouldn't want this to be the game where they finally figure out that they can hit a target uh, in their yeah. forward line. Um, certainly, they've they've threatened at times this year. Um, they've had explosive quarters where you think, oh gee, if they string a couple more of those together, they're going to be really hard to beat today. And then they they fall Just away like off. we do. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, they've certainly still got enough talent on the field to make an absolute mess of, of their opponent. They just can't get it together. Uh, but you've got yeah. to respect what they're capable of doing, not what they're actually doing at the moment. Well, you look at that defence, and you look at their midfield, that defence is pretty close to an A-grade defence, and that midfield mm. is an A-grade midfield. Yep. It's just they haven't been able to put any of their dominance on the scoreboard at all. The amazing thing is they're actually lagging quite far behind on possessions in the league as well, possessions, kicks, and handballs. Yep. They're ranked 16th in the league for kicks and 12th for handballs. And we're above them in both categories. So it's pretty interesting, really. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, so, but I think, I think the stats too go to what, what, um, uh, what Steve pointed out last week. And that is that if you get Melbourne's midfield and put a bit of physical pressure on them, they don't handle it very well at no. all. They like, they like to be able to extract it and just spread it quick. If you can pressure them into, you know, not being able to do that, not give them the easy out, not unable to extract the ball properly, uh, quickly rather. They're going to have a hard time of it. They're going to turn it over. They're going to hack kick it into their forward line. It's going to get chopped off by the opposition's defence. Um, unfortunately, we are not the best for putting physical pressure yeah. around the ball at the moment. <laughs> and that's what makes Melbourne a dangerous team for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's I can't help but go back to round four on this one. And we were up by, what, four goals, three or four goals. Yeah. We kicked so many behinds. We should have been seven, eight goals up. The match should have been over. They were playing dreadful, dreadful football. And then Nathan Jones got two snaps in the pocket, two fluky, arsey snaps in the pocket. Then all of a sudden, they kicked like five, six goals in a row without a behind. They hit the front, and they never looked back. Yeah. And they were playing garbage football, and we just out-garbaged them. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that far too often this season. I just can't help but think that that might be another recurrence. It's they had sixty plus hitouts last time. Sixty more hitouts, thirteen to seventy three. You know, it's almost unheard of. So, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look. Uh, I'd really like us to win. As a supporter, I really like us to win. But I'm more pragmatic when I think about the results at this point of the year and, and what they could mean for us. <laughs> tank, 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 tank. Yeah, tank, I'm, tank. I'm kind of thinking Abraham's M1 on this one. <laughs> <laughs> get out, get out the old snorkel kit and dump that thing in the river. Yeah. No. No, I don't advocate tanking. What, whatever happens is going to. Whatever happens is whatever's going to happen. But. Uh, you know, tactically, the further down the ladder you go, arguably the better it is. Though, given what Teddy Richards, Teddy Richards told us the other week, the other month rather, about the value of high picks in the first round, I'm not really convinced that's an issue. And given the depth of this year's draft, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded on for future picks anyway. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, look, whatever happens is going to happen. Dropping down the ladder helps us. Also, getting a win and taking some confidence and momentum into the off season also helps us. So I'm happy with either outcome, quite frankly. Yep, exactly. Uh, look, we're going to take a uh, quick break and we're going to be right back after this. Welcome to Intermission. 
one of the ordinary blokes, Nick Smith. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, uh, you know, probably one of the best blokes we've had at this footy club. Um, played a role for us that's uh, absolutely invaluable. If you're talking about playing on some of the best players in the competition, um, one of the loneliest spots you can be on a football ground is inside defensive 50 in the goal square on some of the best talents that have ever run around the game. And he's played on those guys and, and I dare say, giving them plenty of nightmares. And that's something that uh, can't, be, can't be underestimated as a player and a, to play on the blokes of the likes of Eddie Betts and, um, and who can forget the great battles with Surrioli in some of the biggest games, home and away games and finals. And uh, as a coach, to be able to sit there and, and, and put Nick's magnet up every week for, for as long as we've done it against some of the best players in the competition, there wasn't even a discussion or a debate. Um, he had that much trust in the coaching staff and the players. We just put his name up and, and we moved on. And that can't be underestimated. Um, it also can't be underestimated how much mental strength Nick's had over the over the years to be able to do that every week, um, to be able to play that position every week. How strong he's been at doing that. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, I can't think off the top of my head too many times when Nick's been beaten over his 211 games, which is quite incredible when you think of some of the talent that he's played on. We recruited him as a, as a, through the rookie draft and a, as a, a very good midfielder. Uh, he went back, typical Nick Smith in a selfless style and did the job for the team for the next 13 years. And uh, we thank Nick for that. We also thank Nick for being one of the best blokes you could ever imagine to have through a footy club. He's just an absolute A-grade person. There wouldn't be one person that's crossed, come across Nick Smith that wouldn't say anything different. Uh, there's not too many people can say that. Uh, in football, but Nick can certainly hold his head high and, and say that uh, his impact on this footy club has been significant. Um, on field, it's been just as, if not more, significant off field. He was elected to our leadership group at 23 in 2012 and has been in it ever since then and has been a real driver of standards, um, challenge blokes, and just an absolute honest person. And um, it was an, I had an old coach used to say to me, one of the greatest compliments you can give a person is to say they'd like to marry your daughter. Well, this bloke here is probably uh, is probably the the best example of that. Um, he's uh, he's just that sort of bloke. Uh, gives everything, leaves nothing out on the track. Uh, gives everything in meetings. Gives everything as a person. And um, it's a sad day, but as Nick said, it's also uh, a great reflection on a fantastic career for a fantastic person. And we are back, and it's now time for the Player of the Year. So we give this one over to our fans, Josh, and they give us their 5-1, to one, and they have spoken this week. They have spoken indeed. Now, um, unfortunately, not that many responses, which I think coincides with, with our 47-point loss, but <laughs> <laughs> could you... The, um, the responses are noticeably less after a bad loss, aren't they? And quite frankly, I can't blame yep. people after the way that game went. No, our, some of our best responses were actually the Yesterday and, and North Melbourne games early in the season we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Do you want to um, fire off the uh, one to five, Josh? Sure. Uh, one vote coming in the bottom is the plumber Tommy Papley. Nice, nice. Two votes. Uh, the moustache warrior himself, Mr. Dane Rampey. Number three is the skipper Josh Kennedy. Uh, finally showing up in the votes again. Yep. Number four, the only bloke who's playing a four-quarter game at the moment. That is Mr. Oliver Florent. That's right, Steve. 
Florent, not Florent. <laughs> Florent, yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, coming in at number five is the uh, the blonde headed bombshell again, Mr. Isaac Heaney, for a uh, you know a pretty solid one hundredth, I would imagine. And he must be firming for uh, Bob Skilton, best and fairest form. Bit of favouritism there. Yeah, given the way he's gone at the back end of the season, he had to be a smoky for it for sure now. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right up there in the top three. Dawson's up there in the top five. Well, Dawson would be a smoky as well. He's been he's been very good, very consistent. Yeah. Very it's... consistent and average team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's actually kind of hard to pick a winner when you've only won six games for the year. So yeah. for a lot of us younger generation fans, this is a very unusual season for us because the Swans haven't had this kind of form for about 25 years. So... <laughs> It'll be all right. We'll It'll get be there. All right. We'll, we'll be right. We'll be right in the end. It's, that's not the problem. It's just a lot of us aren't quite used to the fact that we're not quite winning our fair share of games. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> matchups, key points and predictions. Uh, so shout out to the older generation who lived through the bad times and they are now enjoying the better times and now they're not so good times again. But matchups, Josh, could you please give us your matchup for the weekend ahead? Yeah, sure, no problems. Look, he's a he's. I really like redheads. I tend to not like this bloke though because he's so damn good on occasion. That is Oliver. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Oliver Florent. Then bloody hell, that's the wrong Oliver, isn't it? Yeah, just the wrong one. <sighs> Clayton Oliver. Clayton Oliver. Yep. Um, Clayton Oliver. Look, he's he's still the key to their midfield. He's an extractor. He's really good with his hands. He can move it quick. Um, he's also a tough little bastard. He needs to be kept quiet. I think if he if he gets in a position where he's getting more than sort of five to seven centre clearances uh, this week, uh, we're in serious trouble, and he's going to need a lockdown put on him. Yeah. Um, my first option that's going to be George Hewitt, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if that turns into Ryan Clark. I think physically Ryan Clark is probably a better matchup body size wise, but uh, Hewitt Hewitt's a little bit more classy when he does it as well. I was going to go with Hewitt, but at some stage. I wouldn't mind either one, um, but uh, God, I almost called him Ollie Florin again. Clayton Oliver <laughs> is going to need to be kept quiet. So that's my first matchup. Yeah, it's a good one. And when he's on fire, that whole midfield just ticks over. Uh, he is to Melbourne what Josh Kennedy was to us, you know, the 2012 through to 2016. Yep. Yeah, and he's the one guy in the midfield who probably does stand up quite well to physical pressure as well. So it's not going to be enough just to put body on him. Uh, they're going to have to... They're going to have to pl- they're going to have to keep it off him. Yeah, it's not going to be as simple as just putting the body work and you know pushing him off the ball like they did with Josh Kennedy over the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a little bit more involved in that. Yeah, exactly. Now I've gone a bit of a different one, and I've kind of looked at the uh, the team lineup, and I've gone. I don't think that's actually going to be the team lineup. I've actually gone Jordan Dawson on Christian Petrarca. I think that's going to be what the matchup's going to be. And Interesting. I-, I say this because. When we played Melbourne in round four, I also had a similar prediction about Petrarca. And in the end, he he did a lot of damage in that game. And he is a damaging player. Sure, he's got a big fat ass and nice chunky legs. But he can take a good mark, a very, very good contested mark, and he can kick a bag of goals. Yep. And he can do it in short time. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of guy, he's the kind of guy who, who will go missing. And then you pay no attention to him, and he bobs up and he kicks around on you. Yeah, exactly. Dawson's a pretty similar size, similar physique, similar everything. They've both got about the same pace. There's no problem there. Physically, they're about as good as it gets. It's just going to be, can Dawson punish him? 
and can he stop him from kicking goals? So that's my match up there. Yep. Uh, your key point, please, Josh. Oh, look, again, I'm just sticking with the Clayton Oliver thing. Hey, I got his <laughs> name right. Keeping with the Clayton Oliver thing. And, that, and that's uh, actually, I've already said it, and that is that, you know, we're going to have to control him, especially around the yeah. center clearances. Less than five center clearances. Uh, we've got a chance with him. Yeah, we've got yeah. a chance to win, to break even the midfield, and Bradshaw's breaking them even in the midfield clearance wise this week will be a monumental effort because we're going to put Hayden McLean <laughs> up against Max Gorn, right? Yep, he is going to get. <laughs> yeah, he is going to get absolutely nailed by Max Gorn, and if we thought, um, I think it was Callum Sinclair who played against him last time, or someone else, can't quite remember who it was, was getting a bad. Hayden McLean is going to get absolutely nailed. Yeah. So my key point is we just can't let Melbourne spread pace. That's what they yep. love to do. Uh, they've been absolutely shocking in disposals this year. They were great in it last year, great in clearances and contested possession last year. But if they can somehow get on the outside and learn to use a football, we're dead in the water. 100% yep. dead in the water because they will absolutely nail us on the run. That's right. And they need to put pressure. And if they do get out in you know, open space, they need to be able to get pressure on the kicker before they let loose. Yep. Um, force them to spray that shot because they're not very good. They're not very good by foot going into their forward line. In fact, they're far worse than we are. Yeah. And that really says something. But if they're allowed to just send it in there at will without oh, any yeah. pressure on the kick, they will pick targets out and they will kill us. Well, they're ranked 18th for efficiency inside forward 50. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that says something. But the Swans are also ranked 6th for that. And they're also ranked 15th for contested marks. So, yep. yeah. Any kind of pressure on them is is good kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. Predictions, please. Josh, give us your prediction. Yep. And now, uh, Sam, I brought Max Gorn up. I'm going to say that Max Gorn will win the hitouts by at least 45. Wow. Yeah, I I would go and put a tenner on that one, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the only way he's not doing it is if he's injured. And he's still got 15 centimetres on McLean. I yep. still think he'd out-tap him, not even getting off the ground. No, that's true. And uh, Gorn will also give significantly more around the ground. Yeah. A lot of the players that uh, McLean's been coming up against as well. So unless McLean's going to come in and pull another five percent clearances of his own, <laughs> yeah, sixteen hitouts isn't going to do it this week. He's oh. going to have to give us a lot around the ground. I don't think we're going to get sixteen combined. I'm no. not even sure we're going to get ten combined. We had thirteen last time we played him. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my prediction is that Harms, Wagner, and Petrarca will combine for five goals, and I'm thinking that's on the light side as well. I'm thinking mm, yeah, it's, going to be, is. it's going to be a lot more than that. I, I think we could go a 7 yeah. or 8 on that one. So. Yeah, they'll probably combine for like 5-12, though. <laughs> <laughs> About 6 out in a full. <laughs> It'll be like 5-12 and half of their whole score. You know? Yeah, and it'll all be in like the last quarter when they're down by 60 points. Yeah, go Swans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the weekend forecast now. Josh, can you give us your sure thing, please? My sure thing, Mr. Kieran Jack will finish with less than eight disposals. Oh, ouch. Ouch. I, um, I hate to agree with you on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine is Brisbane Lions will finish first at the end of the round, so they'll be top of the ladder, undisputed king. I'll, I'll tell you at about five o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> they are playing Geelong at the Gabba, and West Coast have to travel to the MCG to play the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. basically, whoever wins out of the mashup of the Gabba will be top of the ladder because I don't think there's any way West Coast can beat Richmond at the moment. No. No, that's true. It's going to be a good game. It's a sellout. I've had my ticket for a couple of weeks now. So, the Gabba's yep. sold out for this weekend. Big day coming up. Yeah. I, I wish I was actually going to that. 
Uh, honestly, I do, because that would be a pretty amazing game to go to. Most at stake, please, Josh. Ah, Kieran Jack. <laughs> it's very much Kieran Jack theme show, this one. I know, I know, I know. Well, I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, eh, but he's got a bit at stake. Uh, look, I, he's like the little engine that could at the moment, isn't he? He's like, I think I can, I know I can. But, uh, um, yeah. Sorry, Thomas uh, Tank Engine, you fell over. That's right. <laughs> so, I just, um, if... I mean, he's obviously a pretty driven sort of character. If he thought yep. he was going to go, he would have put his hand up by now. I still think there's a reasonable chance he's going to jump of his own accord or he's going to get pushed later on this year. But if he's still on the list next year, oh. that will be entirely because of his own sort of self-determination yeah. you know, and that. But he's got a lot at stake. And if, if I mean, if he actually wants to play on next year, he needs a big game this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a big game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if he wants to play next week, he needs a big game. Mm, true. My most at stake for this week has got to be Simon Goodwin. I mean, how can you <laughs> yes. go from like third, fourth, and being pretty close to getting into a grand final and having a pretty damn good chance of winning it against Collingwood, who they played pretty bloody well against throughout the season, to basically being second last and looking like a team who probably should be last in the ladder? How do you yeah. go from that in six months? It's yeah. unheard of. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, it's just like going from a grand final to not making the finals. Oh, well, well that's Hawthorne 2009, but... Oh, it's the Bulldogs 2016 Bulldogs 2016 as well. As well. Yeah, yeah, 2017. 2017. But, I mean, they didn't go to second last. <laughs> no, it's true. And this is a team that at the at the R-Centre last season were just belting teams, and the only team they lost to, I think, was us. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They did a really good job in the finals. They, they won their first final. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's amazing just how far they've fallen. Yeah, it, it really is absolutely stunning. But yeah, Simon Goodwin. I mean, they re-signed him for three years, and I reckon a really bad finish to the season and a bad start next year, and they just might cut ties less than yeah. halfway through. Yep. Yeah, if they have a bad start of the year, he'll be in serious trouble. Oh, he's got to be already now. But doomsday scenario, please, Josh. Uh, that is. Um, <laughs> look, if we're going to fall further down the ladder. Um, Carlton need to be outright above us on points because their percentage is so low. Yeah. Um, even a couple of 100-point floggies won't get our percentage down near where their percentage is. <laughs> we need to lose so by about 400 points. We'd have to lose by like 400 <laughs> points, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, Carlton, Carlton lose. That's my doomsday scenario for the week. Yeah, yeah. Ke- keeping on doomsday scenarios, um, and, and I know this isn't a very Swans-like one, but uh, my doomsday is that we win. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a reason for that and it's if if we are looking at the draft we need to target the first two if we're going to really pick any kind of good quality midfielder from this year's draft mm. it's basically finish top finish bottom two or bust because yeah. the rest there is quite a big drop off from second third through to the rest of the draft it's it's not a great draft it's a very shallow draft no, and then the other thing is that we've potentially got a bloke next in next year's draft who's going to be in the top 10 to 15. Yeah. And another guy who's going to go high in the second round as well. So if they're going to trade it for futures that, for points, they'd want this as high as they can get it. Yeah, exactly. And we do have futures for this draft. It's just, you just got to wonder if maybe the gamble to try and get futures for this year hasn't quite paid off. No, it's true. Uh, maybe they expected more from the draft. Maybe they're watching players and they think that there's more value than the um, players who are currently ranked. 
first and second. But the thing is, those two players are so far ahead of every other player, it's incredible. They are ready-made AFL players, and Josh, they're supposedly better than Sam Walsh. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've made no bones about putting that out in the media as well. That um, that those two guys at uh, Raul and I can't remember who the other guy is, uh, are far and away above everybody else in that draft. It's like those two guys daylight than everyone else. Yeah, it's not quite Super Draft two thousand one esque where you had the uh, Judd Hodge and Ablett, but sorry, Judd Hodge and Ablett. Yeah, uh, but it is there is a specifically large divide between second and third. Yeah. So. Uh, it's either bottom to a bust, so that's what I'm saying. My uh, doomsday is we win. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my reason. It's not a great reason, but it's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a hard one this week, Josh. A bit of a hard cast, given everything that's happening with Nick Smith and everything else. But I do want to thank you for coming on again, especially joining us from Queensland. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I just uh, managed to cobble it together at the last minute, and uh, hopefully... Hopefully, um, hopefully, my phone hasn't got absolutely dreadful audio. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> let us know how it comes out. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. You can reach out to us to hashtag SwansCast. You can get us on our tags, the Swans blog, on Facebook, our Twitter, and Instagram, and with the other page, SwansCast Podcast. We will be back on Sunday to review the match that is tomorrow night and we'll talk about all things football and, yeah, we'll look forward to the last round of football. So until next time, go Swans. Go Swannies.